You are listening to the Manverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traflin, and this is session number 142, part one. Welcome to the Manverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at ManiverseSaga.com. This is part one of a four-part interview I did with Joshua Pyle Carter. He's the owner of The Deck Box, a massively successful and tremendously cool tabletop game store in Halifax, Nova Scotia. In this part of our interview, Josh tells the story of starting his first game store in PEI on a shoestring budget and how being profitable from day one was basically his and his partner Rachel's only option. We talk about the importance of stocking a wide range of magic singles to meet customer needs, the evolution from a small to a larger store, and the emphasis on client relationships over mere transactions. It was a fun conversation that I was able to have in person at Josh's new expansion, lovingly called The Rules Lawyer, which is something I definitely want to do more of in the future. Enjoy part one of Josh's interview. Ten years ago, prior to the deck boss. Prior to the deck boss. All right. Awesome. And also, like, who are you? Oh, sure. Welcome to the podcast. You yeah. know? Uh, so I'm Josh, uh, Pyle Carter. Uh, if you're from Halifax, you've probably seen me around. Uh, I have been doing the deck box will be 10 years in August. Uh, yeah, we started on Quinpool, uh, which is another part of town, and we're on Brunswick Street now in a bigger spot. Uh, but yeah, we started here 10 years ago. Um, we started very small uh, and just kind of built it out. We When we moved here, our focus was on doing magic was kind of our big one because when we first looked at the market there were a number of other shops in halifax uh but most of them were catering to uh, a little more comic books a little more casual magic in terms of like you know they were doing sort of the traditional old school store model of like you know mm -hmm. we have a store we sell packs we've got a couple of cards here and there you know we've got like you know miniatures and comics and a mix of stuff um, but what we came in and wanted to focus on was having a really specific focus on having magic singles and availability because for me i've you know yeah i had sort of a, a, a formative experience of when i was playing magic of when i went to a store i saw a deck online and was super excited and i just needed a couple of commons and uncommons to build on my deck for standard um and the store that i went to basically said you know, you know i was like hey i just need these guys they should be like you know my whole list of cards should be like maybe 10 bucks you know mm -hmm. and he's like well you know we don't do singles but we have packs so just crack packs to find it um, Great advice, <laughs> which is, you know, which is a very, you know, for context, you know, I've been playing for like 20 plus years. So like, you know, this is, this is a very old store that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but like, you know, it's, you know, that was the mentality of, you know, that you just say like, you open packs to get what you needed. You, maybe you traded with some other people, but you kind of worked with what you had. Mm -hmm. And when we did singles here, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have it. So if you walked in and were excited about something, if you were excited about, you know, a deck or a strategy, that we could help you out with that because with magic it's interesting in that you know if you go into other product categories if i have a you know a 20 dollar item and a hundred dollar item and a five dollar item you know some of those things are interchangeable so if you just want to have like something to eat you know there's a list of options sure. you can pick from in magic if you need this common because it does a very specific thing it doesn't matter if i have a 20 dollar card or an infinite number of other 50 cent commons you could have you know, you need it for this specific effect. And if I don't have it, your deck doesn't work the way you want it to. So being able to facilitate play and facilitate play in the way that people want to play their game 
relies on having the individual cards to make that happen. So like, you know, we've got a really deeply stocked selection of singles. I have obscure commons from like awful sets that no one will probably ever want, but we have them in case someone does want them because we don't want to prejudge that someone might ever one day want this card. You know, do you, you know, do you need a mountain goat in your life? A one mana, one, one mountain walking goat from Ice Age? No, no, you don't. But, you know, maybe the person who's like, you know, I'm building a goat deck, maybe I really need those travel goats. Goat, and it's like the key thing they want. <laughs> we want to have it for you in case you want it, you know, and that's part of that sort of customer service availability thing. And so when we opened in Halifax, the goal was to sort of, you know, have, you know, you know, have everything we could possibly have because it facilitated play, it facilitated people being engaged. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have, uh, you know, the thing I hate the most is when someone comes in looking for something and we don't have it. Um, because, you know, I want to make sure that if they came to me looking for something, you know, that they left with what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So like when we first opened in Halifax, there was four other stores at the time. Um, and when, you know, we were the new store. And so people would come to us after they hit everywhere else. And they'd come with their shopping list and go, okay, cool. You know, they'd have like 30 cards on a list and go, and it was clear they had like one or two that had been crossed out. And it was very clear that they'd been to like the other stores beforehand. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, cool. I have this list of stuff, you know, I'll take what you have on it. You know, like just whatever you got for it, you know, just fill what you can. Yeah. And we go, well, we have all that. And they go, oh, I wasn't planning to buy all of that today because I didn't expect you to be able to fulfill it all. So I actually need to cut some of my wants list because, you know, I, you know, I was planning to spend 20 bucks on the stuff that you had, but you had the whole list which was a hundred bucks. I got to figure that out now. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we've noticed over the last couple of years is that, you know, we get fewer of those sort of interactions where it's more of like, okay, cool. I know you have all of it. And if you're missing like one or two, that's the expectation. Like, you know, like, no, okay. Yeah. You had, you know, you know, this commander list, hundred cards from scratch, you know, you had like 97 of them and the three you didn't have, I'm not surprised because it like spiked up like, you know, last night, you know, mm -hmm. you know so stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so for us, it's always been about building, you know, that availability and building, using that to help build community, because if someone comes and engages in the way they want to engage, they're more likely to want to come back and want to be, you know, included. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And community building is like a massive component. Obviously, like it's baked into everything that happens here. Yeah. Right. I can tell from the conversation that we've been having <laughs> prior to hitting the record button, yeah. uh, going even further back. Sure. Why, why do this at all? Why get into the game business oh, and not just, you know, continue playing as a magic player? So for this for me, uh, I got into this. Uh, so I, we've had the deck box for about 10 years. Um, and the deck box was actually an expansion of a store that I had in Summerside. Um, and I started that store uh, after I had moved to Summerside and PI uh, for work. Uh, and the, the contract position I was on had ended. Uh, and there was a opportunity to sort of you know, start our own space and we've had sort of like the local bookstore kind of reach out to us and say well we had some magic inventory and stuff you know we were thinking about getting out of it do you want to like you know take it over and you know my partner and i rachel talked about it and you know we decided that it was something that you know there was never another time to sort of try it you know we were both fresh out of university we've been out of university for about a year you know, we had student debt, you know, we didn't have anything else on the go. And we felt you know, like this was something that I felt that we could be good at. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, she really encouraged me to, you know, take the plunge on it and basically say, you know, if this is something you're interested in, you know, I believe in you and I want you to pursue it, you know, and we made the choice to sort of do that. And we did uh, game on was our first store. 
Uh, we did that for five years. And in year three and a half, four, I think, uh, we opened the deck box, which is a sort of our second location, because uh, we had sort of been doing a lot of good community building work in Summerside, and that had gone really well. And we sort of figured out kind of our model of what we wanted to do. Um, and you know, we had gone to Halcon, which is like the local sci-fi convention mm -hmm. uh, in our second year, I think. Um, and found a recommendation, one of our clients and we'd gone there, you know, not knowing quite what to expect. So we kind of just brought all of our stores inventory at the time, you know, sort of to see what worked. Um, and there's a huge demand for individual cards. So we showed mm -hmm. up, we did in Halcon on a weekend, what we had done in a whole month in Summerside, um, and sort of said, well, you know, there's. And the, the thing we kept getting from me was like, well, will you ship us stuff? You know, like, no. You know. Um, and I'm really, I really don't like the online side of it. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we realized there was a lot of demand and we realized that the real difference between running a game store in Summerside and running a game store in Halifax was the scope of the market and the size of the competition. Mm -hmm. And we looked at it and said, well, you know, we think there's room from what we've seen at Halcon, what we, you know, cause you know, what we've seen at events is that, you know, I think there's room for a store that says, you know, singles and cards are important to building community and play experiences and, you know, and to building on that. So we opened up our second location, which is the deck box in, uh, would have been, oh gosh, 2014. Um, and that was sort of, you know, our first expansion. Uh, so for context, you asked how I started and I didn't quite answer. Um, <laughs> you know, we started when we started our Summerside store uh, with $2,000 from my last job um, and just kind of built it into now. Uh, we've never taken on loans, outside debt. We have no partners. It's just me and my wife, Rachel. Uh, and it's, you know, you know, one of the benefits of starting it very lean for us was that, you mm -hmm. know, we were able to really, you know, we were able to really understand where where our money was being spent on and what was selling and what wasn't, because it was something where we couldn't justify sort of doing big swing spends on inventory items that just didn't move. You know, it was like, cool, I'm bringing in this product, every product I know, because every product I need to sell, you know, I need to know what client's going to buy it, you know, what's going to be, you know, that really granular knowledge that only kind of comes from when you're going, this is what you have to play with. And then once it's gone, there's nothing else, yeah. you know, um, and it's kind of where we've been built at to today. So, you know, we're now in a much bigger space in a much bigger market, but it's all kind of, you know, the same sort of plan of, you know, like know what you're selling, know how to build community, know how to add value for your clients. And so you're making, you know, you know, making a, you know, a good community and experience for them to kind of just be around, you know, and the rest kind of handles itself. I'm sure a lot of people are probably listening to that and be like, wow, okay, $2,000, right? That's yeah, what you started I, I, with. I, I know it's, it sounds like a bullshit number. I understand that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we started with that. And when we relocated out here, I think we had, when we did the expansion here uh, for our first location, um, as some of our, as some of our clients will know, cause they helped, uh, you know, we laid our own floor, uh, we built our own tables, at, you know, for the, for the first go at it. Uh, one of the tables we built was very tall because we didn't measure properly. So uh, we had that one at the window for a while because I couldn't afford to replace it. So because we had to pay for the wood and we were going to use it. Going to use it, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of it is, you know, we we sourced all of our cabinetry from like, you know, closeout sales. Like it was it was very much hand built and hand. Uh, we figured out uh, the biggest benefit that we did was that there was a store in Summerside uh, that we picked up our case case that you see next door mm -hmm. um that are that had was like a 80 year old jewelry store that had gone out of business so there's like 
solid wood cases, but they are jewelry cases, which if any sort of retailers are out there, I would really recommend these if you can find them. Um, because traditionally what I will see is people who have um, the glass cases where it's just like a glass shelf and a glass shelf and yeah. cards on the shelf. Um, that looks like it's displaying a lot of cards, but the challenge with that is that it kills so much storage of what you could possibly use. So like if you're looking at it, most of the top level of what you're seeing on display case is all someone sees. Sometimes people yeah. will squat down to sort of like look at some more cards a little down further. But if they're on your bottom shelf, no one's really seeing that. Um, whereas, it's kind of like merchandising at the eye line. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff that moves. That's the stuff that the cares. Stuff on the bottom shelf is not going to And if it's going to be, if it's going to not move for you, like, you know, with our cabinetry, we have all that stuff below just becomes storage space. So mm. for that cabinet setup that we have in store, um, you'll see sort of like, you know, you can fit, I think it's 120 cards in sort of like the layout in the top loader, the way we have it. Um, but, you know, we can store, there's eight drawers in a, in a display and each drawer holds around 5,000 cards or more. Um, so like you're talking about 40,000 cards worth of storage in just one display cabinet, mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, hundred ish, 200 ish cards on like some like glass shelves that yeah. may or may not move. You know, it, it just gives you more room to sort of, you know, do for other stuff. Kind of maximize your floor space, right? Yes, very much. I'm good at that part. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 uh, the benefits of having rented, you know, spaces where I was like, cool, I can afford this much square footage and no more. And like, I need to have all this stuff and where's it going to fit? One Make of the, use of every inch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one that we've got some old photos of our old store and, you know, when we moved to the new location, one of the best benefits was, um, we had not carried a whole lot of peripheral stuff, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because I did have, I had very little slap wall and the only place I could kind of put it in our old location was sort of like between where the, so we had sort of a, a long and narrow space. And so sort of like the counter where we had sort of our, your cards were here and the slap wall was on this side and people had to walk through it. So like, you know, I couldn't put too much or too many hooks cause like people just knock them as they go by yeah. and stab themselves. So like, you know, when we moved to this location, be able to just kind of carry a lot of stuff on the wall. It was a very big deal for us. Cause before it was, I had, you know, this much space, kind of a ring of counters, a little bit of slap wall. And then just like a little tiny, like Ikea size bookshelf of like, you know, D and D books that I could stock or like yeah. boxes. So it meant that like when we had product in, it was, you know, majority of it was had to be behind the counter just because like I had nowhere else to put it and I could just stack it up. No, I'm, I'm curious about the early days too. Like, sure. I think exploring that is is really interesting because so many store owners have had wildly divergent experiences, right? And, yes. and right now the general advice is, uh, you know, don't open a store unless you've got $200,000 or whatever that you want to throw at it and make sure you've got it fully capitalized and you had everything taken care of. And I would say that that's probably pretty close to true. And it's, good, say, it's good advice, yeah, right? It's yeah, not it's, a bad it's, thing. It's not a bad advice. I would say that, you know, um, you know, there's a, I think it's Gary Ray, the, the middle class, like income on the local store. game store. Yeah. Path um, to a middle class lo income. Love his book. It's great. Um, I, and I, and I read it a couple of times and I, you know, and for, in my defense, I read it after I started my own store, <laughs> which was probably not the right order. Um, but he has a section <laughs> where in the beginning where he talks about, you know, um, you know, that, you know, that there are like, you know, guys with, you know, a, a folding table and a dream, you know, and, you know, that they have really great stories, but to not follow their advice. And, and I'm that guy, like, you know, like you know, <laughs> the, 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 the advice part of it is, you know, I will say that, you know, for me, it's a big believer in building community and building your clientele along with it and understanding what it is your client wants and how to give it to them in a way that best works for both of you. We're offering a free strategy call for game store owners that are serious about growing their business. That's right. Sign up now for a complimentary consultation and let us show you how we can transform your store's marketing game. 
Don't miss out on this incredible journey to level up your digital marketing and drive your store's growth to new heights. Head over to our website at maniversesaga.com forward slash MMA to register for your free strategy call today. It's time to dominate the digital marketing arena and achieve success for your tabletop game store. So what are you waiting for? Book your call now and let's make your store the ultimate gaming destination. Um, where's the, you know, so, you know, my tail and mine and Rachel's tail is not a, it is not a thing I would recommend to most people because when we started, part of why we started it was that we had been, you know, you know, I had my contract had finished. I was looking for other work. And when I looked at taking, you know, I looked for a bit, hadn't found anything that really kind of worked because yeah, I could be a tough place to find a job. Sure. Shock. Especially 10 years, 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was looking around, you know, this came up and one of the things we found is that we had, you know, I'd done the usual thing of apply for EI, which if you're not from Canada is basically mm-hmm. employment insurance. It helps you find another job or gives you money until you find another job. Um, and there, I was told there was, when we got approached for, you know, building a store, uh, I was told that there was a EI version of EI that you could take while you were a small business to promote it to basically to, you know, build your business and still take EI while you were doing it. So they would pay for you to take EI and extended EI while you're doing your business plan, while you're doing your first kind of like setup and prep. Um, and, you know, we heard that and we thought, okay, well, you know, this makes sense to me. You know, this is, you know, you know, like I, you know, if I was going to take, if I could draw up to like, you know, my EI anyway, and then they would just top me up to sort of, you know, a little more great. Um, so we did that, put all the plans in motion to get started, open, started, things were going well. Um, and then a t- 30 days, 60 days after we had opened, uh, you know, they called us and said, Hey, so we messed up and you don't in fact qualify for this. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. When you, that you, in addition to that, you don't qualify the EI that you've generated because you were working as a self-employed person on your own project. You were, yeah, we want, yeah, that, we back. want that back. Now. <laughs> um, so for us, you know, we had started with $2,000 and we had started with sort of a plan that I'd be able to draw most of my income that I'd been making at my previous sort of corporate job. Um, and that didn't happen. So it made it so that, you know, we couldn't, you know, we could probably have walked away and just, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, we decided that we couldn't make it work and it just meant that we had to be profitable from day one. Um, so it's something where it's a very rare thing in our field, but, you know, we haven't had a year where we haven't at least broken even, you know, for it, if not, you know, you know, plus a little bit. Um, and that's gotten trickier the years because our expenses have gone up, but, you know, sure. it's always sort of been able to like, pay for me and Rachel to kind of have, you know, a life together and, you know, be able to like, you know, you know be, be pretty comfortable. Uh, but no, it's, it's been, it's been a, a lot of stress and pressure at the beginning and it's kind of worked down the end, but yeah, I would not recommend my route for it. Yeah. Um, but I would say it's something where, you know, I would say that definitely being capitalized helps a lot. If you're, I don't know if I could see a, a path to getting where we are now from the get go that didn't involve 10 plus years of, you know, you just grinding to figure it out, you know, whereas, you know, I don't know if I had come in even with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars today to start the business that we have now, you know, if that would be anywhere near enough to build out what I want to, where I'd want to be. Cause I think part of that process is, you know, to getting to the level of sort of some of the established stores that you'll see is, you know, building relationships. So we have clients that come in every week, you know, or we have clients that come in every couple of years, you know, it is not an uncommon thing for us to have someone who comes in and says, Hey, I haven't been since you were on your Quinpool location like four years ago. I just got back into town. I was out, you know, somewhere else. I was yeah. doing something else, or I had kids. You know, like you know, yeah. they take a lot of time. Go figure. Um, 
whereas like you know and but like it's something where like if you don't have the years of build up to build that relationship that's a client that you know once you sort of establish a good you know relationship and they they like you and they want to support you you know they'll come back it's part of why being customer service focused and sort of doing a you know curating your community is such a big part of this is that, you know, when you, this is switching to a little more of a corporate business side of it, but you know, when they yeah, talk that, about that, in that basic, stuff support you know, when they talk about in basic business school, they talk about your customer lifetime value, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, if you are someone who drinks Coke and they can get you to be just a Coke guy, you know, starting in your teens, you know, all the way till you're, till you're not, you know, yeah, the 90 to, <laughs> chugging a Coke. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> at that point, you just keep chugging this. Like, What's it going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, at that, you know, the value of you as a client, you know, that individual Coke purchase may not be a huge number, but that purchase over time has a huge value attached to it. And you're talking about in the gaming space of, you know, you know, if I have a client, you know, and they spend a hundred bucks a month with me, which would be, you know, not unusual, not a super big spender, but not a small one either. You know, that's but it's their leisure money. They're, their leisure they're money. Like you know, the money what, that they would go to the theater or go out to eat. Yeah. Like, some of that comes to you. Yeah. If you break that out, you know, you assume it's like a thousand dollars, you know, on the run of a year, you know, not accounting for birthdays and Christmases and bonuses where people yeah. kind of go a little heavier. Um, you know, that's a lot of value that one client represents for you. And if you're saying, okay, well, I need to make a hundred thousand dollars in the run of the year in terms of revenue to make, you know, my expenses make sense, or maybe I need more, you know, that one client, you know, is a thousand bucks. If I keep them happy over the run of the year, I need a hundred of those guys to make a, a store kind of sustain itself, you know, on a, a bare minimum level. So like, you know, when you think about that in aggregate, that's not a huge number, like, you know, but what, mm -hmm. but every time you can sort of keep that person in the ecosystem, keep them happy, keep them feeling engaged in what they're doing, you know, making sure that they're, you know, just like you said to movie, you know, they came, they had a good time, they went home happy, great, they're gonna come back the next one. Yep. You make a shitty movie, they didn't have a great time, they may come back, you know, or they may come back with reservations and you need to sort of, you know, make them realize that that last movie was shitty, but like this movie is better. And I, I misunderstood yeah. your taste and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to prove to you that, you know, I get you better now and this is what you want. Or maybe I give you something that you're not quite expecting, but is a beneficial thing, you know, but it's something like yeah. the, the value of a client and building that community is something that only comes with time. You know, it's, it's someone yeah. showing up every week, every couple of months that they get the same experience they go every time, you know, it's part of, you know, why, you know, I don't think you could get to a store at this level without that sort of build out time for it. Cause you need time to build relationships. You need time to build, you know, people up to sort of say, okay, well, you know, I had a really good experience. And every time I go here, I'll come back. And if people like you, they'll tell somebody else about you. We are, you know, I am notoriously bad at spending on marketing. Um, you know, I, you know, the, the line item, the percentage that I'm supposed to spend on that in most years, I just have not. <laughs> um, it just usually goes to other stuff, but it's something where a big part of, you know, what we're doing now and sort of our, our 10th year is focusing on, you know, being a little more verbal about, you know, cool, we're a really neat place. And if you're within our ecosystem, you a hundred percent know us. And if you're a little outside of that, you may never have heard of us because we are a destination location. People are coming here because mm -hmm. they want a thing and we have it. And that's, you know, sort of the draw. So now we're doing kind of more outreach stuff like this, where we just kind of want to like talk about what we do a little more. Yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you refer to them as clients. You yeah. said that like multiple times, yeah. whereas most, most retail stores consider them customers, right? Which is a little more transactional. I, I like the idea of client because that is more of a long-term relationship with somebody. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's something where, you know, I, even the, 
It's like the term client is a tough one for me because it's the closest option that I have when I talk about it that doesn't come across as overly familiar. Like, you know, I know some store owners who would consider their clients as friends and I have a lot of clients that I really, really like, but you know, I, you know, it's something where, you know, a friend to me is a really personal interaction. A friend is someone you call when you knew and you got in an accident and you need someone to come pick you up. Yeah. I'm not that person. I, you know, I would love to be, but you know, I'm not. Um, and I'd say with like the client side of it, in my mind, treating it like it's a customer is the equivalent of sort of saying, well, you know, to me, you're just an interaction to me. You're just, you know, profit going back and forth. And I don't see it that way. You know, for me, a client is someone that I've got a relationship with that we've built over time, you know, that, you know, you know, that there's an element of trust there. There's an element of reciprocity, a customer is someone that they say, Hey, you know, can you spot me five bucks? You probably go, no, but a client will say, yeah, man, you're a little short. I'll cover you. That's not a big deal. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you're off by like, you know, a couple bucks on this trade in. Don't worry. About it. It's fine. You know, yeah. um, because that's an element of reciprocity, right? You know, you build that relationship, you build an experience and it's something where it's genuine, you know, it's something that, you know, um, <laughs> you know, if you, if I'm, I'm not a huge fan of you, you'll definitely be a customer, <laughs> but almost <laughs> everyone's a client because we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot of customers. We have a ton of clients though. Yeah. But no, that's good. I think uh, one of the other other store owners in uh, back in Kitchener, actually, yeah. uh, named Tommy Gofton. He was a a guy who owns a place called the Round Table, and he's got all kinds of crazy stuff. But he was on uh, the summit that I did years ago, and he, the way that he always referred to his relationship with his clients, clients, customers, yeah. whatever, he called them patrons. Yeah. And I like that way of thinking about it. He's like this idea of having this relationship with people in your store I do like and it's that one. it's yeah. a game store specific it fits the theme right oh yeah no it definitely has those medieval vibes that you want to go for and if he's going go on the round table I, I oh, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely got the medieval stuff going on uh he's uh, another store with like an awesome aesthetic like fantastic he was a <laughs> i believe he was a set designer or he had like experience oh, awesome. with the movie uh, the movie industry so the place was done up in a way that's like hard to replicate so he had a really interesting specific unique to him awesome. way of doing things but the, the whole patron uh concept of like thinking about your customers thinking about the people who interact with your business and your store i think that's the right way to think about it i think it's a really good way to think about it because oh yeah because it's not it, it's, this isn't just a retail store no and it's something where you know if if, if you know if you are if you are retail focused and if you are retail fixated there's you know even if you don't like the idea of, you know, customers are having relationships with you, you know, the reality of it is if you are strictly dollars and cents motivated, you want someone to have a relationship with you because if you're setting up your system in such a way that, you know, someone likes you and wants to come back, you are in a better position, you know, to, if you treat them well, you know, and, you know, and to understand their needs and be, you know, attentive, mm. you know, you're going to be in a better position to be more profitable longer on, right? Like, you know, because the kind of clients that you attract with that sort of behavior is not the kind of guy who's shopping the lowest possible value. You know, like, you know, yeah. if, if so the guy who wants you just because you are the cheapest, you know, that's a customer, you know, and that's yeah. a customer you need to decide if you want to cater to or not, or if it's something where that you think that the element of trying to keep up with that is not worth what you're getting out of it. But if mm -hmm. you are generating clients, if you're generating people that, you know, you have a relationship with, you know, there's a give and a take, there's, you know, a back and forth to it. You know, that's something where those people will provide you more value long term because they're not shopping you all the time for the lowest deal. Like the guy who's coming in yeah. and being a customer, he just wants your, you know, your cards because they're like 10% under what market value for them should be and yeah. wants to buy all of them. And then just like, you know, but he's not 
buying the other stuff from you. He's target shopping you because, you know, that's, you know, his best value. And if that's the kind of customer he is, that's okay. You know, like, you know, it's something where it's on you as a retailer to decide if that's something you want to cater to, if that's something you want to, you know, not deal with, if you want to deter it in some way. But, you know, that kind of experience is something where you're very much, it's on you as a retailer to see how you want to handle it. So we are a large store. You know, we have a lot of traffic through. We get about 170 transactions a day in store. Um, so, you know, we, we are busy. Um, there's always going to be some number of people who are looking to do, you know, thing, you know, like to come in and shop with us here, shopping for different reasons, you know, and it's the kind of thing where if someone is shopping for the lowest dollar value possible, I generally take that as a purchase saying, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, it's something where someone comes in and says, I want these cards, you know, we have them in our system, we honor our stickered price for it. So if I have it in and it says it's 40 bucks, it's 40 bucks, you know, mm -hmm. you know, conversely, we also work in favor of the client of, you know, if something's mispriced in our system, you know, and I'm around, you can say, hey, man, you know, you have this at 40, you know, I'm seeing metrics online that tell me it's like 30. It was this an intentional pricing choice because I think it's yeah. worth 40, you know, and it's worth 40 in my local market. Or is it a you just didn't miss a decrease and we'll honor the decrease price, you know, like and that's something where that's a that's a relationship that you have with clients and not a relationship that I would have with customers. Yeah, like, you know, it's 40 bucks for you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 40 bucks for you. You know, it, it's, it's one of those ones where it's a, you know, there is a, it's, it's the difference between the client and the customer, right? You know, mm -hmm. a customer is someone that you're looking at, how do I get maximal profit out of it? And the client is someone that you have a relationship with. It's someone that you have a, a back and forth and an understanding that, you know, it is a more than a transactional relationship. You know, you give me money for stuff, you know, I provide a service in, res you know, in response, you know, and that service is anywhere from just, having the thing that you want reliably and efficiently. So, you know, you can walk in and walk out with your purchases if you want mm -hmm. in under five minutes. So if you come to me with a list and go, I want this stuff. Awesome. Neat. Check all the boxes. You look, looks good to you. You're in and out the door. Uh, our holiday time is really great for this. Cause we get a lot of sort of like the friends and family who come in with a list going, I need these seven things. I have no I'm idea what this are. is. Yeah. Can you tell me what I need? And it's like, yep, this is what you need. This is what it'll cost. It's like, awesome. You know, in and out. Um, it's one of those things where, that sort of it, you know, I really like the person to person interaction and the back and forth. And mm -hmm. so like that time of year is a little rough for me because I'm like, oh man, I just, I want to talk to you about the cool things you're buying. You're like, you know, let me, let me tell you why, like, you know, the new Warriors <laughs> models are super cool. Like, you know, like just, you know, like, you know, you're getting some really awesome stuff. Like, do you, do you want to like tell me what you could do with it? Like, um, but that's something where, you know, that's a client experience and that's a, some people will find a value to that of being able to come in and talk about the thing they're excited about. Like mm -hmm. no one, no one comes into our store you know, not excited about something, whether they're excited to be there, excited for the thing they're going to get, excited with what they're going to do with the thing they're going to get, or you're just excited to kind of look, look at stuff and window shop of things that they might like to get in the future. You know, it's something where, you know, being responsive to that excitement in an authentic way is really important because, you know, mm -hmm. so many people have had people tell them that their hobbies are silly or why are you excited about yeah. this? And to have someone who goes like, Hey man, I see you're buying a box of space wolves. Like, you know, I played against the wolf and stuff. They're really cool. Like, have you heard of this strat that goes with them? And I was like, Oh no, I didn't know I could spend a CP to like, you know, give them like sixes do dev wounds. Like, you know, it's like, that's cool. Right. And that's a, that's something where it's an authentic, you know, experience on our end is part of why we hire our staff the way we do. Um, and it's something where the, the value add for that client is that they get to be seen as like, this thing I'm doing is cool. You know, it may not be cooler in the grand scheme of like, you know, is anyone going to write, you know, articles about how I'm awesome because I play Spillage Wolves? No, no one's going to do that. Yep. But like, you know, someone saw you and said, hey, that's cool. Like, you know, have you thought about this other cool thing that you can do with it? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, 
did you, you know, like, how are you going to use this? Like, you know, the stuff that it actually engages. And the only way that you get that kind of connection is if you're authentically interested in what someone is doing because you're part of the community and part of the experience, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, if I haven't played a whole bunch of games of Warhammer, I wouldn't know what that unit does. I just know it's a box of plastic space Marines and they look like all the other boxes of plastic space Marines, except this one is different and why he wants this one versus the other box next to it. And knowing the difference is a big part of the value that you add to your clients where it's something you yeah. know, one of the things I like about my job a lot is I pull a lot of magic card lists and I've played for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And you know, because I have played for a very long time, I know what these cards do. So when someone pulls a list and goes, cool, I'd like a winter orb. I'd like a stasis. I'd like this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, right. cool. You're so, out to ruin everyone's yeah, fun. Yeah, so just, just as a, like a heads up, just so we're clear here, you you want to have no friends. Like, just like it's, it's like when someone shows up and like buys something. Like, hey, just so you know, this is what this is typically used for. Are you cool with that? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I want to be an asshole. Like, you know, yeah. it's like I want to I want to have zero friends by the end of this game. It's like, okay, that's cool. I just wanted to check, right? <laughs> like, you know. It's like, you know, it's, it's something where like that level of, you know, feedback and, you know, acknowledgement of like, cool. You know, it's like, it's like walking to the store and going, cool. I would like a can of gasoline and some rags. It's like, <laughs> neat. Yeah. Like, you know, that's going to, what that's going to be used for, right? Like, yeah. Fully aware. I'm, fully, fully aware. <laughs> I, I, I'm good. It's like, all right, cool. Just, just doing my due diligence and asking you. It's yeah. like, um, so, you know, I want to burn down my play group. Um, but yeah. But stuff. being able to nerd out with somebody okay. and connect with them on something that, the, the hobby, right? It's this shared passion that defines us as nerds for oh, yeah. the most part. That's a big value for people coming to the store. Oh yeah, it's part of why people want to come back, right? That they feel that they were. It's like running a. It's running a. You're when you're running a gaming store, you are in a weird position of you are running a retail operation, which pays for your community experience. You know, and if you can't balance both those things, if you focus, if you can't kind of make both of them work, you're going to run into trouble because, you know, you can have the best gaming community experience in the world. But if you can't get the numbers to work to fund that, you know, it doesn't matter because that community will inevitably evaporate when you go under, right? Like if you can't pay your bills, if you can't do the things you need to do, yeah. you know, you will not be around for your community long term. Um, and conversely, if you're nothing but a retailer where it's all customers and no clients, you know, it's something where you're going to, run this sort of like hollow experience where it's like, cool, yeah. you know, I may as well go to Walmart, you know, I may as well go buy my, if I, well, if Walmart had singles, I would go shop there yeah. you know, because like, you know, it's that kind of, you know, retail experience um, and finding the balance between sort of making it all work and also building that sort of really active and, you know, passionate community is a challenge, but it's definitely something that if you're, you know, you're skilled at it, can definitely do really well. It's something where the community part of it is a big element of you know, what, what makes it all tick, and having that authentic interest is a big part of that. You know, it's like, you know. All right, that is it for today's episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, we'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to today's show, and thanks to Josh for giving us his time and uh, sharing his wisdom and his insights with us. I'm Tom Trapp, and I've been your host, and I will talk to you again in the next episode, part two of Joshua Pyle Carter's interview on the Manaverse podcast. Mm -hmm.